Welcome to Journey to Motherhood, the podcast that has conversations with women who yearn for parenthood and are contemplating or are going through or have gone through so-called unconventional or unspoken of experiences to get there. My desire is that this becomes one of those helpful resources and that the stories of the people who participate will help anyone listening to realize that they are not alone. Welcome back, everyone. I am particularly excited about our discussion today. I am with Bushle. I met Bushle a few years ago as I was going through my own journey, and her story is one of hope and miracles, and just such an honor to have you here, Bushle. Thanks. <laughs> when did you know you wanted to become a mother? Um... I think being a mother was always part of my life plan, <laughs> part of my dreams. I saw myself kind of going through the usual, one could say the stereotypical journey of a girl, um, studying, getting my qualifications, working, meeting someone, and then becoming a mom. I've always like children. <laughs> and uh, I just thought, you know, that I would have something to give or something to share with through my children. So yeah, it was always part of my story. When did you find out that you would potentially have challenges becoming a mother? Um, okay, I was about 30 years old and I was really struggling with the uh, regularity of my periods. So they were all over the place and um, what was starting to happen more frequently was actually hot flushes. So I would literally have these sweat sessions. <laughs> That's all I can. So anyway, I can describe it. it. It didn't matter what the weather or what I was wearing. I would just overheat and just start sweating. And it was becoming a bit more common than I was expecting. So at first, you know, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, I didn't dress well for the occasion or I was a bit stressed. And you kind of explained a couple of incidents away. And then you start realizing that, no, this is not right. Something is not okay. And it was starting to affect me socially, actually, because I didn't want to go out now. Because oh. what would happen is, like, I'm sitting with you now, and this is a comfortable room. I actually come out in beads of sweat. And people would look at me and say, are you okay? Mm. We both know I'm not okay. And I'd say, I'm fine. <laughs> And um, so I thought, okay, let me go to the doctor and have this checked out. I went to see a doctor and I didn't really have like a regular doctor or anything. So I just went across to the doctor and, you know, explained my situation. And she said, okay, let's just run some blood tests to see. Because she asked me, you know, how's your cycle? When did this start happening, etc." Then uh, the results came back and she gave me all these readings about these, you know, uh, I think one was follicle stimulation hormone and the other one, it was FSH and LH, and I forget what the L stands for, among others. And, you know, she says, well, you, you know, these readings are basically off the charts, so something is wrong. And I must say that my engagement with this doctor, because she was my first doctor, she actually didn't really tell me a lot. She just told me something's wrong with you. and um. 
was like, yeah, you need to, you need to do more tests. Maybe you should go and see a gynecologist. That's kind of what she said. So I was confused, like, okay, what, like, what is it? Mm. And I thought, oh, well, I'm sure it's just irregular periods and, and, you know, the gynecologist is going to fix me. Mm. So um, I also took my time to actually go across. I waited maybe a couple more months. And then I went and um, I think I asked a friend who her gynecologist was and she <laughs> said, okay, this is the one I use. And I went across to, to him and I explained again my symptoms. He did the same test and then I remember he sat me down and then he says, okay, something's wrong. So I said, okay. And he says, now, according to these readings, um, you are in what we call premature ovarian failure, which means that you've actually gone into menopause. Oh, wow. You're 30. At the age of 30, 31. And so I was like, okay, so like, what are you saying <laughs> again? Mm. And he says, well, you don't have any more eggs. So you can't, um, yeah, you don't have any more eggs. And that's why you've been going through basically what are the symptoms of menopause your period has kind of come to an end and um yeah that's this is your situations this is where you're at so I said okay um at the time I wasn't in a relationship and so I just asked him so what does this mean for me because I want to have children one day and he says well you can't you're not going to be able to have children so I was like okay and I remember I'd gone there was a routine appointment on my own to the gynecologist, as people do, mm. <laughs> as women do. And as I was walking to my car, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I, I couldn't, I can't have children. I know I'm not in a relationship I'm, or anything like that, but what do you mean I can't have children? And it was, it was really painful. And I, I, I just stood in the car park and I stood by my car and I cried. I cried and I cried and I cried because I didn't understand why was this happening to me and what did I do for this to happen. And, you know, the doctor was very, very gentle. He was a good doctor. Mm -hmm. And he says, these things happen. You know, it's a certain percentage of women that go through this and it's just you're part of that percentage. Then he went into, okay, this is what I can do to help you, at least to manage the hot flushes so that you don't go through that. And um, he put me on a basically a plan that I needed to take for the rest of my life so that I can, um, it's basically hormone therapy mm. um, just to handle that. And yeah, so that's when I knew and um, I shared it with a close friend of mine and I also mentioned it to my sister's. But I kind of said, you know, the doctor said that I might not be. I didn't say it's a definite. Mm. I just said, you know, there's something wrong. And, you know, he just said, I'll have trouble conceiving. Mm. And so um, my family response, my siblings was just, we'll pray for you. It'll be fine. You'll, mm. it'll, you'll be okay. God will intervene. Yes. Did you have therapy? Did you have anyone to have an honest conversation with about this and no a space to cry no. and grieve no no i didn't i just kind of took it on and cracked on with life oh, wow. so i guess that moment in the car park was my <laughs> was my <laughs> moment 
um, yeah, so then fast forward a couple of years and I met my partner who I'm with now mm. and we spoke about children, you know, we spoke about family and he's a very family-oriented guy mm. and uh, works with children as well. Children love him. So we, we both knew we wanted to have children. So I said, okay, well, I explained to him that I do have a situation. I'm on this therapy. They said that I would, you know, that I would have trouble conceiving. Mm. And um, so we need to go and see a, the doctor and see what they say. And um, what I thought was, I'm just not going to be able to conceive naturally, so I'll need to go for IVF or some kind of assisted reproduction um, um, yeah, process. process yes. yeah. So I had a good friend who had gone through um, IVF. And so, you know, she recommended this place. And so we went across and we met the doctor for our first consultation. And Again, he did the blood work and he did a scan of my ovaries. And then he sat us down and he said, okay, I've had a look and your ovaries are the size of a dried up raisin. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is it. Like he tried to, so I could, it'll be something that I can actually visualize. It says they're shrunken. There's nothing there. Oh. No. And um, you, you actually cannot produce eggs. Uh, to have a baby. So I said, okay, so let's give me something that'll make me make eggs. <laughs> I'm like, fine, it's fine. And then he explained to me that you're actually born with a certain number of eggs. And as you have your period, you lose those eggs. Mm. And over time, they then become depleted. You get into menopause and it's all done. It's gone. Mm. You cannot make more eggs. What you have is what you have. It's that converse, you know, it's going back to those emotions that I had when I spoke to the gynecologist a couple of years prior. And um, I, I was again shocked. I didn't understand, like, how does this happen? How do you say mm. a person runs out of eggs? I thought we're born with millions of them, mm. just like guys are born with millions of sperm. Mm. It's, it's, that's how it is. Then he said no. And, and again, in that session, I cried. I, I cried for myself. I cried for my partner because I felt that I was depriving him as well of the opportunity to be a father. And I felt that I had let him down. I had disappointed him. Mm. And now he was with me and I was broken. Oh. What do we do now? And so, again, the, the, the specialist that we met with was phenomenal mm. such a gentleman and i guess he's had these conversations so many times but it didn't feel like he was reading off a script mm. he spoke to me like he was speaking to his daughter mm. and he just said there are other ways um you need to look into donor you can have a donor egg you can have donor embryos um and i started hearing about all these concepts that i'd never heard of in my life Wow. The only thing I knew of was IVF. That was as advanced of assisted, yeah. you know, assisted conception as I knew that you would take my egg, you take a sperm and so on. And now you're telling me that I can get someone else's. And he said, I'm going to give you time. I don't want an answer now. But I want you to know that if you want to pursue having a family, you still can. 
but you need to understand what your options are. That's and, so important. Yeah. And that's where we started. And it was it was a lot of uh we needed time as a couple to talk through this and for him to also understand what this meant and is he okay? I know my constant question to him was are you okay with this? We don't have to do this. And I was actually trying to tell him you don't have to stay with me. Oh. Because I can't I can't give you this and I know that you'd be an amazing father and you should do this. So don't let me be the reason you don't have children. And so don't let me be the reason that you stay. So yeah. <laughs> and what would his response be? I mean that's He just kept saying, it'll be fine. We're going to have children. And I actually remember thinking, didn't you hear what the doctor said? Should I take you through biology 101 <laughs> again? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like zero. Yes. So like zero can't make more, you know. Did you ever take out a prune, um, a raisin? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Every, every time I see raisins now and my son loves them, I'm just like, mm, all right. <laughs> But yeah, I know. Um, we had the conversation and he was so steadfast. He just kept saying, we're going to have a baby. And for him, it was so black and white. And I was like, you know, whatever he's smoking, I think I need some of that because mm. <laughs> he's seeing something that I don't see. But we then decided, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to try. And he was comfortable with? Very. So what was the process? What, did, what does we're going to try mean? What was the process that you went through? Mm. So... Um, we needed to go to a donor agency, an egg donor agency. And what they do is, first of all, they have actually had a session with us as a couple to talk about the journey. And so with, uh, the with a psychologist. And that was actually really important because she asked you questions like, why do you want to have a baby? Do you understand what this route means? Um, just to kind of figure out where our heads were at and to make sure that we are also in the right emotional space and we've had the necessary conversations to continue on this journey. And um, I think it was also good for me because she needed to, she took time as well to talk to me and say that, but you're not broken. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is just your story. This is where you're at. It's not a definition of who you are. It doesn't make you any less of a woman. And you have a partner who loves you and is committed to going on this journey with you. That says a lot already. You're both here voluntarily. You know, she kind mm. of just broke it down for me to say, for one, two, three, four, five reasons, know that you're in the right space and you guys can go through it, but you need to go through it together. At this point in time, are you talking to anyone else? about what the two of you are going through in this journey? No. So no one knows Not what you're all. going through, none of your family, none of your friends? No. Wow. We were still exploring, I guess. We just thought we we're still exploring. Mm. Um, but it's funny, as you take the steps, you just go deeper and deeper, and before you know it, you're quite advanced in the process. But, I mean, we did inform people, which I'll just uh, talk to in a minute. But um, so we, after our psychologist uh, ses session, 
she then said, okay, so this is how we work. We have um, basically profiles of usually young women between the ages of, I think it was about, uh, well, early 20s to 30, um, where who have, or some may have already um, donated eggs and some can be approached, you know, they've already been screened or whatever and can be approached to then donate eggs for you. So you need to go to, through the profile and um, see if there's anyone that you like or that appeals to you. And what what we were provided with is just an outline of the donor. We chose local, local mm-hmm. donors. So it's more, you know, what is the, um, in our case, we are both black African. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to have a black African baby. Mm-hmm. And so we chose black African donors. Donors. Yes. Um, and you would get to know, like, what tribe are they from? You know, are they Sutu? Are they Zulu, etc.? Mm-hmm. Um what tribe is their mother? What tribe is their father? What color are their eyes? In our case, you know, their skin tone. And then you're given a picture of the donor as a baby. Okay. They keep it anonymous so that, you know, you don't actually get to know. Because you might recognize someone in the yes. in the pile. And once you have photos, you know, you can, with yeah. internet these days, you could literally track a person down. Hmm. But they do keep it, for legal reasons as well, they keep it completely anonymous so the donor doesn't know who they're donate, donating to, and you don't know who you're receiving from. Wow. And was were there a lot of donors to choose from? It's actually um, not too many. You kind of, it went through cycles. A lot of the donors were uh, studying. Mm. So they're university uh, students or in some kind of tertiary education. Um, and it's kind of when they're writing exams, it's quiet mm. <laughs> because they're not really busy. Um, but the the other side of it is actually, it's incredible how many other black African people were looking for donors. Wow. I thought we were going to be like, you know, it was going to be a pretty easy walk in the park. But when we, um, when we went through the profiles, what we did is myself and my partner sat down, went through profiles and uh, kind of read through them. What do they like? And, it, you know, they'd ask things like, what book are you reading? What's mm. your favorite movie? And I remember, I really don't like Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who said Tyler so Perry. Anyone, especially if they mentioned Medea, I was like, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> um, but they also asked things like, what's your personality like? Um, try and describe your personality. So they try to give you a flavor of what kind of person you're, mm. you're dealing with. And when we were choosing... We also wanted someone who's not light skinned, mm-hmm. you know, so we wouldn't go for someone who is extremely light skinned because then maybe that child would be that way mm-hmm. and wouldn't resemble either of us. Mm-hmm. And what we had decided in, you know, to speak to your question as to who we talked to, we wanted to keep it as private as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that was we know our families. <laughs> know the people you're dealing with and I know we both know from both our sides that firstly it would be a concept that they probably would struggle with to understand mm. and I think that they even for myself you know there's certain comments that might be made out of ignorance and maybe sometimes even just to hurt which I wasn't willing to even 
risk yeah. having those kind of conversations. So we both agreed that we were going to keep the whole process private and, and, and to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So in keeping with that, we wanted to have a child who was not too far um, from us in yeah. terms of resemblance. Yeah. Mm, you were telling me about the donor process. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we sat down and um, we actually wrote it down in a notebook. We had a yes, no, <laughs> and a maybe. <laughs> and obviously the no's were out. Then we'd go through the maybes and see are there any maybes that we could promote to possible yeses. <laughs> okay. And then once we had all our yeses, we worked through those yeses and came up with, I think, our top three. We submitted those choices uh, to the agency and funny enough, all of our top three were taken. Wow. How long had it, ta had it taken between getting the options mm -hmm. and deciding on your top three? I think we decided in about a week. So in a week? A week or, or a week Your or options two have been taken yeah. because the demand is there. Is that high? Again, coming back to my point that people don't talk about this, but so many people are living it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. your top three goes, do so you then go to the go, maybe list? So, <laughs> well, I think our top, our yeses were about six. Mm. So we took the next three. And of those, I think we got the, the top of our next three. Mm. And we got the profile and then they're like, okay, fine. We were assigned to a nursing coordinator who then would help us through the whole preparation process. And what does that mean? So, um... The nurse, in, in my case, because basically I didn't have a menstrual cycle, I was pretty much ready to go at any, at any time. point. Yeah, <laughs> like, you didn't need to worry about when was your last period. Um, what we then had to see was, you know, are we going for frozen or, or eggs that were already like pre-frozen or if we were going to actually look for someone and approach them. Now for our three, they were already frozen. Okay. So her eggs were already in, in the bank. What we just needed to do was now to prepare my body. So my body just needed to, I needed to take a course of hormones that would prepare my uterus. So my lining needed to be right, um, mainly to, to thicken my lining so that it could then receive. Plantation. Yes. So I went through that. I think it was the whole cycle happened over a month. Okay. Yeah. So, and and prior to that, in, funny enough, in in faith, um, I started taking these prenatal tablets. <laughs> <laughs> so I was drinking folic acid and all these other things, which, funny enough, um, the the, the nurse recommended anyway. To okay. say, okay, you need to start taking this because this also helps. Mm. Um, so I had taken my vitamins. I was taking the hormones. Then they took. My partner then needed to provide um, his sperm and we went for the fertilization. Mm. They told us at the time, I think we had, we had eight eggs in the bank mm -hmm. and six fertilized successfully. Oh, nice. And so we had, uh, we had six ready to go. And then you kind of wait uh gosh i should have actually researched this before it's okay but we had to wait until day five from insemination as they watched the embryos develop to make sure that they would be successful embryos 
So before they put them before they implant, implant them. Yes, so they get a, a bit of a chance to sort of grow mm. in vitro and then they get transferred. So they give you a choice. How many do you want to transfer? Do you want to transfer all six one shot mm. and, you know, possibly have six, you know, kids? kids. <laughs> um, or do you want to do it in batches? So we just said, okay, we'll do two at a time because at least twins we can do. Six tablets we weren't quite ready for. <laughs> I know I wanted to be a mother, Lord, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's too much. Yeah. We went through that and it was all aligned. I took my tablets. I did everything as required. Um, the day came, we took the two embryos um, and they put you like in the, in the theater, your partner, husband, whoever is going to be with you in the room can, can uh, sit with you and they actually show you your little... Um, your embryos, your uh, uterus, your, <laughs> I don't know. No, the, the little cup where the, where the embryos The Petri have, dish, the like, petri dish, okay, yeah. So yeah. they show you a Petri dish, which has got your name, and, you know, they ask you to confirm everything so that you're sure that everything is yes. being taken accordingly. So I must say they're very, very good and particular about being clear every step of the way up to transfer. Mm. Then they implanted them. And, you know, they just said, you know, so I said, do I need to stay on my back all day? Like, what if they fall out? Yeah. Like, what do I do? And uh, the doctor said, no, you are fine. You can go about your business as normal. They will not fall. If you go to the bathroom, you're not going to pee, the, you know, pee them out. I remember thinking that as well. I was like, walk with my legs kind of crossed the whole day. Yes. Um, so we implanted and then we had to wait two weeks and then you get your pregnancy confirmation okay. or result. That is the longest two weeks ever. We got to the end of the two weeks and I was not pregnant. Yeah, so here we go. And you're thinking, now we did it. Like, I saw the embryos, mm. everything was successful. What do you mean? Mm. <laughs> and here we go again. Yes. Now what? What did I do wrong this time? Because I've come this far, yeah. we're now using proper medical, scientific processes. Mm. It should work. Exactly. But, you know, the one thing that my doctor said is, he said, I'm going to do everything in my power to help make these two meet, mm. you know, the egg and the sperm, and I'll do everything that I can to implant. But the final switch is with another power. Mm. It's not in my hands. Mm. It is not guaranteed. So you need to know this and you need to be ready for it. And so at the time you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, yeah, we're ready. <laughs> um, I was not ready. Mm. So we, we, we got the negative confirmation and I was devastated. Um, again, you know, I spoke with my partner and he said, we had six. We got another four in the bank. Let's get the other, you know, let's get busy. Let's get the other two. I do like his approach to life. <laughs> his world is very black and white. Mm. It's, it's so simple. So I pulled myself together and we waited. I think we waited about three months though. Mm. And then I went for my second attempt and it didn't take again. Oh, no. Yeah. So now you've got two embryos left. There's two left. So we waited for those. 
we waited a bit and then so what happens is when the eggs have been fertilized they are stored right so they're kept and they're frozen basically and when they then thaw them before fertilization uh, before implantation again they observe them to make sure everything is still mm-hmm. fine so now we're down to the last two and those were thawed and something was wrong we couldn't implant those so now our whole cycle oh, with donor number 1 was gone and now we would need to start again yeah so that was obviously very hard um we waited a year and then we started again we went back to the donor agency they gave us more profiles we sat down we had a yes list we had a maybe list we had a no list we eliminated mm. and we we selected our top 3 and what was it like this time around was it the same level of excitement was there now it was the same but this time i remember they can also tell you if a donor has donated before mm. and if that donation resulted in a successful pregnancy so i was fixated on this i want you know donors who have donated and has re- have resulted in successful pregnancies because then now i also know their eggs work yeah so now you're like testing exactly. <laughs> testing your donors <laughs> exactly so that's what i did so mm. on our top 3 funny enough none of them had donated <laughs> of the ones who had donated before my partner actually didn't like something in their profiles or it's just a feeling mm. So our top selection was not available. Again, she was taken pretty quickly. Wow. But we got our second choice. It was quite we both liked her profile as well. Um and then what happened with her is we took her eggs, we went for the insemination and all of them did not pass the 5-day wow. success it seems she had low quality eggs or yeah we had low quality yeah. embryos so that didn't work so now that's donor number 2 round number 2 all eggs gone nothing yeah um in the meantime i think i can i can mention that with regards to who i talked to i spoke to i shared this with two close friends to say this is the journey that I'm on and this is what we want to do so they kind of knew i think i managed the information that i shared with them mm. so they kind of knew at least like okay it's worked or it has not worked and that helped it helped to have people to talk to i think one thing that i'd like to say for anyone who is a friend to someone who's going through this journey and it's not working is yeah it's you are such a important part of that process they need you just to talk just to air things out to let whatever's going on in their head and in their heart out and i know i yeah, in my case i had really really good support and that made a world of difference because even in your partnership it becomes all you obsess about mm. the two of you because you're you're carrying on with life but a significant part of your life is now on the spotlight and things are not working mm-hmm. and what you could do is almost just talk about it all the time you don't want to do that as well because it's really stressful yeah. on both of you and i know 
you know, they also mentioned that a lot of um, couples go through a lot of strain when going through this this process and not all make it at the end, even after the success. It's, you know, it's broken it's, it's their so relationship. Broken, yeah, because it's tested so many things or things are said. Um, you just change. You're, you're both trying to process this all the time. Mm. And much as you say you're not, you are thinking about it all the time. Mm. And um, so it was nice for me to have somewhere else to go and vent. Yeah, as I said, my friends were very supportive to the point where, you know, like they were also like, you will have this baby. <laughs> Why don't you try this? <laughs> Why don't you try adoption? Why don't you try this? And and I know it was well-intentioned, but every process is unique and precious. Mm. And one should not be a consolation prize for the other. You're the second so, person who has said that. <laughs> so it was, you know, and so I understood the heart when they'd say, well, you know, this isn't working out. Maybe why don't you just go and adopt? I'm, you know, I'm not changing a red pair of shoes for a black pair of shoes. Mm. I want this to be my journey. I want to carry a child. I want mm. to nurse a child. And so until I have felt that I no longer want to go this path, then let's have the conversation about alternatives. Yes. Um, and let the child who is adopted be adopted because they were the first prize. Yes. Not because other things failed and you'll do. Yes, like you're an option B. Yes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that was important. And it was hard for me to articulate that to my friends without also being offensive mm. or seeming like, you know, now I'm going to shut the last door that I have to go and air my, my feelings. I had someone just tell me straight up, <laughs> like they're like, no, I need to grieve this first. I need to go through this first and see it through. And if it doesn't work out biologically, let me go through my process of grieving because adoption is not a plan B. Mm. It is it, when I'm going down that road, it becomes plan A, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So we waited another year, if not two. I yeah. can't remember now. Then we were like, okay. Let's do it again. And this time, also the doctor, you know, our specialist said, you know, like, I'm also here to support you. I mean, this is very, obviously, financially strenuous. Mm. And he had been with us from day one up to here. And every round, what happens is you, you will pay your whatever amount it is for your, for your cycle. Mm. And let's say you have eight eggs. So you've got eight opportunities to be pregnant. So you'll pay, let's say it's a hundred thousand, you pay your hundred thousand. And then for every time they implant, you're now just paying for the lab time and mm. the medication. So it's not a full hundred thousand each full, time. Yeah. But once it's done, it's done. So when you come back, you're going to put out another, another hundred thousand. But by then, you know, the prices have gone up and because we kept waiting like yeah. a year, <laughs> it's gone up. Um, so yeah, it was a lot. And so that, you know, the specialist was kind enough to actually say, I'm going to discount some of my fees, my charges to oh, you. That's so kind. He was so invested in this process. And I remember when the, the second time around, when all the eggs failed, he phoned me personally. And he sounded like he wanted to cry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he sounded really stressed. Mm. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know why mm. this is. But these things can happen. You know, it does happen. That much as we have screened a, a donor and we've gone through all of that, if 
Her eggs turn out to be low quality. It is what it is. Mm. So we went back, chose again, um, got another donor, got more embryos. And this third time around, same criteria, or are you like changing the criteria slightly? Or no, we we pretty much had you know the one thing we wanted was at least someone who was pursuing their education, mm. um, and who showed some kind of interest in uh, ambition, mm. who had some kind of ambition. So that was important to us. And yeah, again, we were still on the skin tone mm. and, and that kind of thing. So we got our donor. This time around, a couple of the eggs did not take. And so we actually had two. Two embryos. Two embryos. And it was now all or nothing. These are the ones we got. And we're going to go for it. So, so that was quite scary. Stressful and, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so we went for the implantation and it was a success. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I cry a lot. <laughs> I cried a lot in this process. Because when the nursing sister phoned to tell me that they'd done the blood tests and um, it was a positive result, I actually couldn't speak. I just wailed and wailed and wailed and she just put the phone down. <laughs> and she said, I'll call you back in 30 minutes. And then she called me back and I was still Beautiful. waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we, I, I managed to actually string a couple of sentences together, and yeah, then we did the scan. We saw, you know, we heard the heartbeat, oh, wow. all of those things. Well, you know, as you go through the process, yeah. and we now have a beautiful son. Wow! <laughs> and what was pregnancy like? Um, because I do think one of the probably misconceptions about donor egg or donor embryo is, is it your child? So now you've got a child growing inside of you. Mm. I mean, that's just a miracle. <laughs> How did that feel? Did you ever feel disconnected? No. Did you ever feel like you weren't the mother of this child? What happens once the embryo is implanted is entirely you. Mm. That's you. These are your cells that are growing, mm. um, helping to grow this child. Um, you are the one who is feeding this child. Mm. It's your body that's accommodating this child. So all of that is you. I mean, when they kick, they're kicking my stomach. It's not that they're kicking the donor's <laughs> stomach. Although sometimes you probably are like, maybe just go kick someone else. <laughs> yeah. And pregnancy for me was was great. I never had morning sickness. I just had like all day nausea. I don't know which is worse <laughs> for some time, but um, yeah, I went. I I went through everything pretty standard. Mm. Um, so when I finally was pregnant, I was a, a little older, so I was considered a high risk pregnancy just Geriatric. because I was now yeah <laughs> I know geriatric, which I absolutely <laughs> hated. But I was over thirty-five, yeah. and so it, so it was. Um, so the only thing was towards the end, I you know my blood pressure was now starting to act up a bit, and um, so I had you know the swelling of the feet, and I think I was hospitalized for two weeks prior to delivery, mm. just to control my blood pressure and to allow more time for for um, 
the baby to, to go through all the developmental stages before delivery. But it was a successful delivery and he's a beautiful, healthy young man. <laughs> he keeps you very busy, I'm sure. He's been very, very busy. Yeah. So what will you share with him? What Have you thought about that? Have you and your partner? At this stage, we have said that we're not going to share anything. Mm. Because he's our child. He is loved. He was born of me. Um, he looks like his father, like you don't believe. <laughs> um, at this stage, we don't think it's necessary. We, we don't think we're taking anything away from him by not telling him. Because really, we're just talking about the science of how he came to be. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's different if he was adopted, mm. maybe, because then he has something to trace back. Mm. But even if I told him I've got nothing nothing to trace back. Mm. Um, yeah. And as we watch him grow, um, the things that I had reservations about, about not telling, I see some of it kind of mildly, Everyone asks, who does he look like? You know, that's the, <laughs> yeah, first, that's the first question, right? Does he look like you? And it's, it's actually quite hilarious because so many of my husband's family say that our son looks like my father. <laughs> <laughs> and he might. <laughs> and I will show you a photo. They really look alike. Yeah. <laughs> so then you get into the whole nature versus nurture conversation. Mm. And for me, this is where he is so much our child. This mm. is our son mm. because we are the ones who are sowing into him. Mm. We spend time with him. He, he learns little sayings from us. Mm. Anorisms. Um, yes. Mm. If he's going to enjoy reading, it's because we read with him. Mm. If he's going to enjoy sport, it's because we play with him. Mm-hmm. And so we are raising him our way. We're raising him to be of our tribe. Mm-hmm. And so this is home for him. He has no other home. Wow, that's profound. That's that's how we feel and that's how we're going going through with it as well. Um I'll be honest, uh, I have gone back and I've checked <laughs> the donor's baby photo to see okay, so what did you actually pass on <laughs> to our son that looks like you? Mm. And there are similarities. Mm. Definitely. Mm. There are similarities and all I can say to that young lady is thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for being part of my answered prayer. Mm. You were part of my journey just as much as the doctors and the nurses and the friends who listened and the vitamins that I took and everything <laughs> else. It was all, it all came together. It was the folic acid. It, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I thank her and I think about her. Mm. And I'm so grateful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. So in closing, if someone's listening to this and maybe they've been driving from the doctor and they've just been told, look, you don't have enough eggs or you don't have any eggs or you can't have a child, what would you say to that person? You are enough. You are already enough and you were made that way. And if you really, really, really want to have a baby, pursue all the options that are presented to you. Mm. I, when I would pray, I would actually say that if I'm not supposed to have this baby, then take away this desire. 
mm. because it's in me. It's so ingrained in me. Um, I yearn for this. Yes. I, yeah. And you've provided me with so much. You've blessed us with the resources that we were able to financially mm. cope. You've blessed us with resources of places we can go for information. You gave me a partner who was so understanding and was with me every step of the way. Who just loved you through it. He did. He really did. So if this is not for me, then like I need this very clear mm. writing on the wall. I need you to turn something off because mm. I can't turn it off. Mm. So if you really, really want it, even for those who are told that they don't have enough eggs, those who are struggling to fall pregnant, mm. as long as you want it, keep trying mm -hmm. until either time no longer allows or you have made peace with it that you don't want it mm. anymore and be kind to yourself also give yourself time so i think for us i know I, we took those breaks over here mm. each time it was good we needed to just stop with that because it is all consuming mm. um don't put yourself through a battery of over and over and over and this fail now we're going to do this and we're going to do it tomorrow mm. give yourself time to work through it and then try again and I, I know when you're going through it it seems like a, it's a long break but it probably also was healthy for your relationship because you need to find yourselves again mm. after each attempt yeah definitely you, you do you need to be in the right headspace i mean just for normal yeah, that's the other thing that I want to mention. I've just found my, caught myself making the same mistake. Every process is normal. Every process is natural. Mm. You, the common question to just IVF babies is, so was your baby natural or was it IVF? <laughs> You're like, well, I didn't pluck him off a tree. My child was know? not born with like two, two horns yes. and, and a tail. Exactly. So every process is a natural process. All that's happening is somebody is trying to help you get to that point while avoiding certain things that we know are a problem, mm. right? But the gift of life comes from a source that is outside of our, our abilities. So never think that, you know, it's a, I don't know, it's a freak baby or any of those mm. weird terms that people use. It's very, you know, your child is very much your child and of you. So um, whatever path you choose is your natural, is your normal mm. path and walk it. I, I love that. I'm actually going to close with that because I think it's so profound. Every process is a natural process because we need to normalize the fact that so many of us need assistance to become mothers. Um, we need to destigmatize it. We don't talk about it enough. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to talk about it because it's deeply personal and you feel, you feel like you've lost something. You feel like I've failed at something. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the support that can be given in more people knowing that you're walking this journey is so important. Mm -hmm. And part of that support comes from just understanding it is a natural journey. Yeah, Many people are walking this particular path. Many people are struggling to have children in what we thought was the natural and normal way. Yes. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And if you need to manage your environment like what we have actively chosen mm. to do, 
because a lot of statements are out of ignorance. Yes. Right. So I don't want to deal with someone who says, well, you know, what do you expect? She likes, it's not really your son. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, yeah, well, you know, I guess it's kind of complicated because like, we don't know where he came from. Mm. I don't want, I don't want that. And so for that reason, knowing who I'm dealing with mm. and for my husband, partner, it's the same. Mm. So man, we managed that. But you must have a place where you must communicate as the two of you mm-hmm. so that you're on this journey together. Mm-hmm. And if you and you must have somewhere where you do get a chance to talk. And it's not just you Googling stuff because Google is also something, the source of the worst <laughs> confusion. So have, if it's going to be a trusted friend, if it's going to be a, a pastor, if it's going to be a psychologist, mm. have someone that you talk to because you need that yeah. as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bukle. I loved your story. I think of it as one of the miracles that I have been privileged enough to witness in life. Mm. So thank you. Thanks, CJ. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.